Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography, the podcast where real couples like us candidly navigate the journey to a healthier, more connected life. Join us as we share personal experiences, expert insights, and practical tips to help you thrive in your relationships and break free. Together, let's repair and build a rock-solid connection, becoming a couple that can overcome any challenge. You're listening to the Self Mastery Podcast, where we break through barriers holding you back from becoming who you want to be. Whether you're struggling with pornography, overeating, social media addiction, or just want to get better at succeeding at life, this podcast is for you. Now your host, Zach Spafford. Hey everybody, welcome to another beautiful Mastery Monday. This is your host, Zach Spafford. This week I'm joined again because I was, we did a, I think we did an episode last week, didn't we? Yes, we did. Last week I was joined by Darcy. This week I'm joined again by Darcy. Hello. This is a special 17th anniversary edition of our lives. Well, it's, I mean, it's not like the 17th anniversary of the Self Mastery podcast, but it is definitely our 17th anniversary was yesterday. It was pretty exciting, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was super, I mean, we went out to two restaurants, (laughs) (laughs) which, I mean, in this COVID world, we were not only living dangerously... But we really had a good time at the Cheesecake Factory. Yep. And Carabas. Carabas. If you don't know what Carabas is, it's like it's like Italian food. It is Italian food. It's not like Italian food. So this week, in honor of our anniversary, we've decided to share with you 17 things that we've learned in our marriage so that maybe you can learn them without having to go through all the hard knocks that we had to go through to get them. In our into our repertoire. So, number one, marriage takes work. Absolutely. Okay, talk about that. So I was when we were discussing this, I was saying how it's so funny because sometimes you know when you're married, you don't necessarily like each other, right? There's those times in your marriage where you don't have the passion. Uh, what you, mi- you might be fighting a lot. You might we be having tons of disagreements. You have always liked me. Yeah. <laughs> And vice versa. There's never been a moment when I didn't like Darcy. Actually, one of the things that I think is fun about our relationship is that we don't always say I love you. Like we do. I mean, we say it all the time. But I also sometimes say I like you, which I think is an interesting and different way of conveying how much you enjoy the other person. For sure. Yeah, I know. You love when I say that. I like you. Number two. We can do hard things. Oh, Darcy wants me to talk about this. This has been one of the most interesting things about our marriage. We have come across a lot of barriers in our lives. We've actually done a lot of really amazing things. And every single time we have struck out to do something difficult, we have succeeded in in the long run. It doesn't always happen, you know, the next day. It doesn't always happen the next week. But in the long run we have always succeeded. And I think one of the things that we're most proud of is that we have eight beautiful, mostly amazing children. Sometimes they're not amazing when, like I went in the bathroom and there were all these wet clothes on the floor when we just got home from the kids running through the sprinkler. So that's not always amazing, but it is. (laughs) It's the joy of having eight kids, right? And doing hard things is an important component of being fulfilled and when you do hard things together 
that makes a huge difference. You know, one of the things that we've done that was really hard is we ran a successful insurance agency. So we quit corporate America where I was making very good money and we went out and we decided to run an insurance agency. That was fun and it was hard and it was very, uh, there was a a huge learning curve there. We learned a lot of things in that three years. That was not easy, but we did it together. And then when this moment came, the moment to become a life coach came, again, together, we were like, no, this is exactly what we need to do. And the the thing that I like to say, because I, I work with, I have a couple of coaches that I meet with on a regular basis. And the thing that I say is every step along the way, the Lord has made this path clear and followable. He hasn't made it easy, but he has definitely made it clear and followable. And that has been really important in terms of, I, I think, our success in making this this life coaching business work and, and you know, helping men and women who are dealing with the the behaviors that they're dealing with that they want to stop doing. And this has really created, I think, a space both for us and for a lot of people to come and figure out, okay, how can I how can I get better? And I guess if you're wondering how you can get better, you can set up uh you can set up a free consult with me at zackspafford.com slash work with me if that's interesting to you. But I guess what I want to say is this is anything that you believe needs to be accomplished in your life, it's doable. And go out and do it. And I think that leads us into our next one, which is it takes commitment. And when it comes to uh, marriage, I think it really does take commitment. Yeah, there are definitely times when it might have been easier to just walk away and give up and start over. Um, but... I think I would have been shouting at your back, you're a quitter. <laughs> <laughs> No, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> but it has been pretty amazing staying committed and working through all of our challenges and our struggles and coming out having this awesome life that we have. I think a really good example of us being committed has, has been this idea of us not saying, just forget about it, it's not worth it. We have really tried, I think, in our marriage to be committed to this, to this marriage and not necessarily saying, well, the grass is greener over there or I, you know, I want something better, you know, staying committed and just taking the action steps to over time continue to bring ourselves closer to each other has been really important to me anyway. What do you think? I agree. Sweet. See how together we are? (laughs) <laughs> nerd it's stay calm is number four stay calm is i think a really good thing to remember no matter what's going on in your life just stay calm uh when it comes to kids stay calm when it comes to kids vomiting all over the place stay calm look at what's in front of you and make a decision based on what's in front of you and do your best broadly speaking to figure out how to deal with it uh, recognize that You're not going to have all the answers in the short term, but that if you are calm, you are going to have your best chance of succeeding. The times when we've stayed calm and stayed grounded in the present and worked through our different trials and struggles and life, the outcome is always better. Do you you have any examples of when we didn't stay calm? (laughs) (laughs) Lots. Lots of Fun examples. There was this one time when you threw my laptop down the, the stairs. That was a moment when you didn't stay calm. Uh, and I was like freaking out, so I wasn't calm. 
and that that kind of drove us apart. And I think staying calm does a couple of things. It helps you stay in the moment and deal with what's happening, but it also gives you the capacity to not regret what happened. When you're calm, it's much, much less likely that you'll say something that, that you don't mean, but that you want to say just so that you can you know, drive home a point to your partner or to your children or, or something like that. So stay calm is, I think, one of the most important things that you can, can really do in a marriage. Number five, follow your path. Now, we kind of talked about this in terms of you can do hard things, but I want to reiterate following your path is being willing to just see where the Lord wants you to go and go there. I can guarantee you that if five years ago you had said to me, hey, Zach, you're going to be a life coach and you're going to talk about pornography on the on a podcast and you're going to give up you know, a very lucrative corporate job, you're going to, you know, all of the things that happen to bring us to this p- point in our lives, I would have told you, yeah, I'm not getting on that train. But what has really occurred is that we have We've seen a path just lay out in front of us, and every step of the way, we have followed that path. And it has, I think it's been a real blessing in our lives. We've just chosen to believe, right? We've just chosen to believe that what we're doing is what we're supposed to be doing, working hard to get to where we want to be. And it's, it's crazy because everything that we have hoped for and prayed for and believed would happen is all coming true and it's pretty amazing believing and and really following the path has put us in this position to where everything that we believe needs to be done is being done which i think is cool number six assume the best so this particular one is about really deciding that no matter what people are saying to you well especially the people that you love the most and the people that you want to be closest with that they are not trying to necessarily hurt your feelings when they say what they're saying. You're assuming and taking what they say in its best possible light. So if somebody says, those jeans don't look good, they are not saying it in a way... That, assume You're assuming that they're not trying to hurt your feelings. You're assuming that they're trying to help you figure something out. Like I remember this one story from when I was a kid. And... My parents had made sausage pizza. It was, you know, it was like probably frozen store-bought pizza. And on the pizza, there were these these balls of sausage. Well, what I said to my family was, man, that looks like dog food. Because it did. It looked exactly like the dog food that we fed to our dogs. <laughs> it was like these little brown balls that looked like dog food balls. And if you've ever, like, you know, I'm sure you've seen it. And I'm sure my mother, like... This was, a, this was at a time, I think, when my family kind of struggled. Um, you know, we were living in base housing in Dugway, Utah, like Nowheresville. You know, I think there was probably a lot more behind that emotionally for my mom than there, than there really needed to be. And she got mad and she like sent me to my room. And of course, I didn't mean, and I was like, what? I didn't, I didn't say anything. They just look like dog food balls. That's all. But I think, I think what she thought was that I was like, uh, you know, making fun of our food and really I a was personal just, personal attack. On right. Her. I was, I was attacking my mother is what it's, you know, it ended up being like, but for me, it was just like, oh no, that just looks like dog food. And I think we do this in our lives all the time where people say stuff and then we assume that it's a personal attack and that's not really it's not super helpful, especially when it comes from your partner or your children or, or your parents. 
or anybody who you really want to have a good relationship with. So assume the best. Along those lines, too, I think it's important to remember that everybody is doing the best that they can in that moment oh, also. Yeah. And uh, I think that ties that Yeah, I think, up. well, I, I'm going to tell you a story about the time my brother, I, I might have told this on the podcast before, so if I have, forgive me. But my brother works, he used to work at Walmart. He was on the exchanges, you know, you go like return stuff to him. And he was like a supervisor there and he was returning something for a woman who brought in a box that was labeled, you know, electronic something. I don't remember exactly what it was. And he's like, oh, okay, let me just check and see so that I can make sure that the thing that is was supposed to be in this box that you're returning is actually in there. And he looks inside the box and it's full of rocks. You know, I'm sitting there going, man, that's a horrible thing for that woman to do. The lady wanted to return it. She's like, no, that's all that was in there when I bought it. And so she's like, I got to talk to your manager. And my brother's like, okay, well, I'm going to call my manager. And he called his manager who was like, what does she want to return? And my brother's like, a box of rocks. And this is a true story. I'm not, I'm not making this up. If you call my brother, I would give you his phone number right now. You could call him and he would tell you the rest of the story. But, you know, the manager's like, well, we don't sell boxes of rocks. And my brother is like, of course we don't. But she still wants to talk to you. In that moment, I'm, I'm asking my brother, I'm like, doesn't that tick you off that they come in and they're trying to pull something over? And my brother had the most amazing answer. You know, someone who works in retail, he doesn't work in retail anymore. He's, he's a teacher now, but he had this amazing answer and this amazing insight, which was, he said, I wasn't bothered by it. I knew that in that moment, that was the best that that woman could do. Not because that was the best that she had ever done and not because that was who she wanted to be on a day-to-day basis, but that was the best that she could do in that moment. And for whatever reason, that's why she was there, because that was the best she could do. And I thought, man, that is such a true reality for so many of us that we're doing the best that we can in any given moment. And sometimes that's not who we want to be. And sometimes that's not who we aspire to be or even the person that we were yesterday. But in that moment, oftentimes it is the best that we can do. Knowing that you are doing your best is huge. So you can also assume the best of yourself, which is big. Number seven, support and encourage your partner. Tell us about this one. I feel like this is something I've gotten really good at. Yes, you have. <laughs> Over the years. For me, I have just chosen like whatever it is. Like when, when Zach and I first got married, I was marrying what was going to be a dentist. I was going to be a dentist. And I remember one day I was at my friend's house and we, we were all there for a party. And Zach was late to arrive because at the time he was in school full time and he was also selling cell phones full-time to support our family. I think we had two kids at the time. I was so hardworking. Yes. So amazing. (laughs) Anyways. And so I remember very distinctly, I was at my friend's house and I got a phone call and he had just finished like his first like OCHEM class. And he calls me and he said, Darcy, I got to tell you something. It's kind of big, but I don't want to be a dentist anymore. (laughs) (laughs) What? And I was like, sweet, what do you want to do? And he's like, I think I want to go into business. And I was like, great, let's do it. And so for me, that was one of the really big first steps in supporting. And I think ever since then, you've always said, you know, what you want to do, that's great, let's do it. And I think that's, and you've also encouraged me to, like, I don't know that I would have ever become a coach and done what we're doing right now if it weren't for you. In fact, I know we wouldn't. I wouldn't have. I would I would never have found all this 
in the first place. But also, we spent a week with Jody Moore up in Spokane. On the way back, it was so clear. It was this moment of just, I'm going to call it zen, but it was revelation, whatever you want to call it, where we're thinking, yeah, this is absolutely the path that we're going to go on. And, you know, at the time we thought we were going to go slower down this path. We were going to take our, we were going to mosey down this path. And yet we... we Life found, circumstances yes. changed. Circumstances and we changed. we dove in headfirst. Headfirst. And we haven't stopped yeah. swimming since. Uh, and, and we've been fortunate. And I think it's really funny, too, because, you know, what we do isn't easy. I mean, like, my mom and my grandma cannot believe the things that we say. Yeah, we talk about pornography on the internet. Yeah. And... Cannot believe that. You know, they're not... <laughs> They're not super supportive. They're not. They're not the people that I'm trying to reach. Let's just say that. Number eight, believe in yourself. And this, I think, goes really well with number seven. The fact of the matter is, is that when you are ready to believe in yourself, you can accomplish anything. My sister-in-law, and I won't name the sister-in-law, but when we were deciding to become life coaches, she basically said, you can't do this. You guys aren't, you know, well enough put together to become coaches. And it was, she, I mean, she was right. Like, there was nothing in our past that we could point to where we're like, yeah, we should show people how to behave, <laughs> right? Like, that was not, there's not anything in our past that says these people are going to be life coaches, except for we had this unique experience of going through and dealing with pornography and moving past it in a way that we, that brought us closer together. And now we can share that experience with other people and, they can learn from our from our process, from the way that we did it, so that we don't have to they don't have to struggle as long as we did. And from our mistakes. And from all of our uh, magical mistakes, <laughs> right? But the truth is is that believing in yourself is the first step in really deciding, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. So if you're, you know, in that position of saying, Do I want to go and do this or do I wanna go and do that? Do I wanna change the direction of my life? Believing in yourself and saying, Yeah, I believe I can make this happen is I think a huge, huge component of that. And and we have, it is not something that's come, I don't think perfectly easy to us, but it is something that we've practiced and we've gotten good at. Yeah. And I think along those lines of believing in yourself, so many of your clients that come, they're like, they've tried so many things. They've tried everything they can think of and they haven't been successful. And so it's really, really hard for them to believe that they can change, right? And, yeah. Um, and and they want some, like, magic guarantee that no matter what, they will be able to make this change. And, and really, nobody can guarantee that except yourself, right? You have to yeah. be able to believe in yourself and, and be willing to fail and try again and... and uh, fail again and try again and fail again. And that's what we did when we were dealing with pornography. It was failure and trial and failure and trial over and over and over again. And everything that we did brought us one step closer. And I think it's interesting because I do get that question, you know, what can you tell me? How can you guarantee that this is the last thing that I'm going to need? And the truth is it's not, I can't guarantee that. I don't know if this is the last thing you need or the next thing you need, but I know you need what I have because I, I know that it was all of what I have was necessary for me to stop using pornography. And everything that I teach is so grounded in gospel truth and gospel principle that 
I don't think that there's a possibility that you don't need what I have, no matter whether it's now or later in your life. This, this is stuff that you've got to learn, I think, not just for your immediate progression away from pornography, but stuff you need for your long-term progression into becoming the person that you want to be. Number nine, everything is figure outable. And we stole this one from Jody Moore, who stole it from, do you remember who she stole it from? Somebody else. Anyhow, I love this one because this has always been my mantra in life. I can figure anything out. And he can. It's amazing. <laughs> I Every time he goes to do a house project, I'm like, are you sure you can do that? Are you sure you know how to do that? And without fail, or fixing the cars, without fail, he figures it out. And so I've now just come to believe that if Zach says he's going to figure something out, I'm like, all right, I believe you, because you always do. I mean, YouTube helps. Yeah, but still. <laughs> I, one of my most recent things that I'm proud of that I figured out was how to create a teleprompter. That was kind of fun. I built it from scratch with, like sheet metal and a picture frame i really should post how to make one on on youtube (laughs) but to me this is honestly one of the most like if you can believe this about you and about your marriage and about your marriage then the sky's the limit there's only blue sky ahead of you it's just a matter of getting there and going okay i guess we'll this is the next thing to figure out and as long as that's what you believe about your marriage Gosh, what an awesome, like, like reality that that is for you. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. awesome. You're pretty awesome. Work on your own stuff. Yeah. Do you want to talk about this one? Yeah, so I, I think oftentimes when couples are struggling with pornography, a lot of times the women are trying to fix their husband and they're focusing on their husband. No. And this does not happen, And so never. It only happened once for us. It was like a 10-year spurt of it, but it was one time. (laughs) I believe that if we take the time to work on ourselves and let our spouse work on them, that you're going to come out on top of of whatever it is you're dealing with a lot better. Yeah, I think it gives them space, right? If you're working on your stuff and you're getting better, it really gives them the space to work on their stuff. Because you're not fussing in their playground. You're not, like, trying to control them. But you're also getting better so that they don't have to battle their own version of how do I make my my spouse better on their end, right? So I'm not trying to fix you and you're not trying to fix me. We can actually do a lot more self-fixing than we were before. And I think that's really, really important. If you want to be happy, work on your own stuff. Which I think brings us to the next one, which is number 11, which is do what you feel needs to be done. Be responsible for what has to be done in your, in your own space and, and be responsible. And in our household, that means that I put the toilet paper rolls on every single freaking time. I don't use that much toilet paper. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I have a bidet. And there, that was a short-lived venture of mine with a friend of mine that we like we we imported bidets from another country, and I have I have a bidet, and I don't use a lot of toilet paper. But guess who puts the toilet paper on the toilet paper roll every time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's me. 
And it's not, and I, <laughs> I, I think I sound bitter right now, but I think that is just like one little example of it's something that I want done, and so I do it. And I think if you take that and extrapolate that to everything that's going on in your life, if you think that the dishes should be done a certain way, feel free to do them. And don't don't be upset when no one else does them the way that you do them. That's that's actually Darcy's example. Darcy does the dishes differently than I do. And she, for a lot of years... That's because they come clean when I do them. <laughs> Is that true? Oh, yeah. That's okay. true. But she wants the dishes done her way. And she has learned to recognize that if she wants them done the way she wants them done, she does them. And I want the toilet paper roll on. And if I want the toilet paper roll on... I do it. And doing what needs to be done is your responsibility. And you can't really expect anybody else to be in charge of getting that thing done. Unless unless you've chosen to create an agreement. In which case I would say, feel free to also follow up on your agreement and do what you say you'll do. Number 12. Own your mistakes and say sorry. How do you feel about that? So necessary. No one can hear you when you nod your head, just so you're... (laughs) (laughs) I'm not as good at this as Zach is, but that's just my She's just nodding her head as I'm, like, asking her questions. I'm like, okay, no one can hear that. Um, yeah. It's so important to own up to your mistakes and then say sorry. I think it's also important to say sorry even when you didn't make a mistake necessarily. And I think this is a real skill in a marriage and in life in general, being willing willing to say I'm sorry and genuinely mean it. I'm not talking about what politicians say when they when they say sorry, they're like, "I didn't really do anything, but I'm going to apologize because I have to apologize." I'm talking about saying sorry because saying sorry will help create a a, a space in the relationship for someone else to be vulnerable. And you are being vulnerable by saying you're sorry and owning your mistakes. Especially when you make a mistake, say sorry. But even when you don't make a mistake, feel free to also apologize. And that that doesn't have to be disingenuous. In fact, I think a lot of really great discussions come from saying I'm sorry. Because I think what, you know, I have said I'm sorry when I didn't feel like I was wrong. And that has opened up space for Darcy to come and say, no, I'm sorry. And, you know, this is why I'm sorry. And that, I think that feels good. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have nothing else to say about this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number 13. You are not responsible for the happiness of your partner. I, I heard this from, uh, who was it, Will Smith. And he was talking about Jada Pinkett Smith. And I know there's some stuff going on about them in the in the news cycle, and I don't really know anything about it, so I'm just going to say this without referencing that. But knowing, he basically said one uh, in an interview, he said, you know, I, about 10 years ago, let's say, I retired from trying to make Jada happy. And I thought that was so profound because the truth of the matter is is that Jada is only happy when Jada chooses to be happy, and Darcy's only happy when Darcy chooses to be happy and I'm only happy when I choose to be happy and I'm not responsible for her happiness but what I am responsible for is my happiness so if you want your partner to be happy you should really do some good strong hard work on making yourself happy now this isn't saying 
you just become super selfish and you just do everything you want to do and you have no regard for your your marriage and your kids and your, you know, your responsibilities. Yeah. But it is saying own your happiness. I know for me, for so many years, I relied on Zach to make me happy. And so every little mistake that Zach made or every time that he, you know, went off to do something that he wanted to do, I was miserable. And I let that just take away my happiness. And so over the years, I've started to realize that I am in charge of my own happiness, that I am in charge of creating the life that I want for myself and that it's not Zach's job. And I, and I think that a lot of the men that Zach coaches, that's one of the challenges they have is that they feel like they have to make their wife happy. And that puts a lot of pressure on them because, you know, it's impossible to make someone else happy, right? If they're thinking things like, my life's miserable. It's so hard with the kids all day. My husband's working all day and I don't get to spend time with him. And and he comes home and he feels like, oh my gosh, now I got to make my wife happy somehow. You know, it, 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 I think it's kind of, kind of takes the life out of. Takes life out of people. Yeah. I have a friend that I was, I went and hung out with this weekend and he'll know who he is because he listens to this podcast. But I was talking to him, and he uh, he was I was said, "Do you want the life coach version or the friend version?" And he said, "Well, I, he started with the friend version." And I said, "Listen, you got to look at like the top five things that you want in your life. What are they, and how much time do you spend doing those things every day? How much time do you spend working towards those things? And if none of the things that you want, like if you aren't doing anything that are the top five things that you want in your life." on a pretty regular basis, you're going to find yourself miserable. And then, of course, he asked, okay, well, what's the life coach version? And I said, that's exactly the same. <laughs> it's the same thing. But for me, I had I had this, you know, this, I don't know, an epiphany the other, not the other day, but probably about two months ago, three months ago now. And I took out and I wrote down the five priorities in my life. And for me, they are Darcy, number one. My kids, number two, my God, number three, work, and then myself. Under each of those things, I wrote down what that means. So for Darcy, it's quality and quantity time. It's love. It's things like that. that Service. Service that she really loves. And I have started to really work my life around. If it's not on that list, I have to think really hard about whether or not I'm going to do it. Because those things are the things that I find happiness in. And, you know, for, for the, the me part, for the, uh, actually it was health and play was the component that I wrote down. It was doing things that I enjoy, that are fun, and making sure that I have some fun in my life and doing things that I enjoy. I, I haven't always enjoyed, you know, golf, but of late I have enjoyed going to the driving range and hitting a bucket of balls. Which I think you enjoy it because you go with guys that you like hanging out with and you like talking with. And so you're being able to connect with another human. Yeah. And and have fun together. Right. So In a way that's both fulfilling for me and not necessarily tied to my household. Yeah. And I, you know, so often we stop doing the things we love, right? We get married and we start having kids and life just, you know, gets into the pattern of work and 
laundry and dishes and cooking and, you know, for the men, it's working and coming home and then spending time with their kids and their projects, projects and whatever. And we don't intentionally put the stuff in that we used to love doing. So for me, that's, I love horseback riding. I love playing volleyball. I love sewing. I love creating. Um, And so the more that I can put those things into my life, the more I'm owning my own happiness instead of feeling like I'm a victim to To whatever happiness I'm going to give you. Here's your happiness for today. (laughs) No, that's not, that's not how it works. Number, number, number 14. We're on number 14. Dream big. Failure will happen. Don't let it hold you back or keep you down. This is so true. The thing about dreaming big is that it's a risk, right? Oh, yeah. It's a big risk. Becoming an entrepreneur, that was a big risk for me. But maybe that's not the thing that you want. Maybe something you want is I want to, you know, hike the Appalachian Trail or go camping for 30 straight days. You know, whatever it is that is your dream, dream big. And don't forget that failure will happen because that's how life is. And failure is not something to be afraid of. It's it's this opportunity to learn, how can I do this better? You know, I often talk about this when I talk with my coaching clients about how people try to summit Mount Everest. Summiting Mount Everest is a very, very difficult task. It seems like, oh, they just, you know, there's there's a Sherpa and that guy carries all your gear and then you just have to walk up a mountain. That is not, it's not that easy. Let me tell you. Well, not that I know from personal experience, but I know that when you are summiting a mountain, it is not just about that actual achievement in a lot of ways. It's about the journey of getting there. And I don't think you go up the mountain three quarters of the way and say, oh, you know what? I'm successful enough. I'm good with that. You go and if you don't make it the first time, you think about what you didn't have or what you might have needed or what you could have done differently and you take those lessons and you go back up that mountain and whatever your mountain is whether it's mount everest or you're just trying to figure out how to overcome pornography or if you are really working hard on becoming a pilot or some you know amazing hobby that is interesting to you dream big do what you want to be doing which you know we kind of talked about in the last number one uh, in number 13 but failure is going to happen be be conscious that that's okay and also don't let it hold you back don't let it keep you down do you do you ever dream big absolutely about what laundry no. <laughs> <laughs> i don't have to dream big about that it's just big it just is big. lots and lots of laundry yeah yeah one of my big dreams was to have a large family, we made it happen. We have eight children, if you don't know that already. And then the other thing was, is that I dreamed of, well, I guess I didn't dream about it right away. When our oldest was in first grade, I haven't looked back. It has definitely had its ups and downs and lots of failures. So far, every bit of it has been worth it. Yeah, I'd say so. Especially now that COVID is here. And we're all not going to school anyway. It's kind of been amazing that we're already in the group and people are like, oh, are you guys going back to school? Yeah, definitely. We're putting our kids back into our school where they do extraordinarily well and they don't have to go, you know, worry about whether or not they're going to catch COVID. Yeah, this is our, we're starting our 10th year. It's kind of crazy. Oh my gosh. 
I feel like we're getting old. I'm pretty sure that makes us old. That brings us to number 15. Empathy and compassion are invariably better than judgment and purposeful misunderstanding. I don't know if this is similar to one that we've already talked about, which is assume the best, but I think if you look at it, you know, slightly differently in terms of not just assuming the best for from what your partner says, but really being empathetic to their situation and understanding and being compassionate about where they are in their own journey to grow and become the best version of themselves, you are going to get a lot further than saying things like, I can't believe you don't do the dishes the way that I expect you to do them, honey. That's not okay, right? And and purposefully mis, misunderstanding them in in their space. And I love being empathetic because it really gives you I think it gives you, a, you know, it's that walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. Carry their cross for a little bit and see what it looks like. The other day I went swimming at my parents' house with a friend and we were, you know, just talking about marriage and struggles and we were talking about life coaching. And she said that one thing that she does with her husband, she said sometimes he um, loses temper and he gets, you know, kind of angry. And she said that the biggest thing that has helped her is to say, honey, what's wrong? That's not like you. You don't normally behave this way. You don't normally respond that way. Are, are you feeling okay? Is there is there something that's bothering you? And she said that the second that she learned to do that, it made the hugest difference in their marriage because instead of it making her husband like get defensive, like, what's wrong with you? Or why are you yelling at me? Or whatever, and, and kind of both raising. Wall. yeah. Yeah, that it, it allowed and opened up the door to, to really um, have a good, meaningful conversation. Well, I think it, it, it takes people aback a little bit, and they're like, oh, maybe this person really does care about me. And it gives them, a, a, again, creating space for someone to enter vulnerability rather than have to... Be defensive. You know, defend their actions, which we, you know, humans like to be right more than they like to be happy because... If I have to, you know, if I've done something wrong, sometimes I'll defend that action even though I know I'm wrong. And, and that's, not, that's not really who you want to be, but sometimes in a moment that's what you choose to do. And, and creating a space for someone to really open up and say, oh, you know what, I just have, have not felt good today. And this is what's going on with me. Well, and then along the lines of pornography, when your husband is struggling with pornography, it's, it's hard to get to this place, but it is possible to try and understand, you know, what's going on? Why are they turning to pornography? And what ways do I struggle that could be similar? Not necessarily like the moral aspect of it, right? Just having compassion and empathy for, for what struggle and what journey they're on. Because we all know if you're married to a good man and he struggles with pornography, it's not really who he wants to be and it's not what he wants to be choosing but for some reason he is turning to it trying to understand what what it is and oftentimes it's that they are hurting in some way that they're struggling that it's not that they're just like oh I just do it for fun right yeah I think a lot of times men turn to this because they're not sure what to do with the feelings that they're dealing with and as a result it comes up in the most strange and inopportune moments and all of a sudden Instead of being the person they want to be, they're this 
guy who now has to tell his wife, oh, I've, I've behaved poorly. And when you come at it with compassion, when you really truly look into that person and say, what is my husband struggling with? Or what is this other person? Because it's not just husbands, it's wives that struggle with this too. Uh, what is this person that I'm that I love dealing with so that I can help them to the best of my ability? And even if that just means, again, just kind of creating space so that they can struggle with it out loud, so they can talk about it, so they can confide in someone, that will go miles in terms of helping them find what they need to fix this rather than, you know, kind of beating up on them. Yeah. You never never hate yourself better and you never hate somebody else better. You don't. It doesn't happen. Absolutely. Number 16. The shower is a great place to talk. Yes, it is. <laughs> I love talking in the shower. So we have found that it's amazing to be able to talk in the shower. We try to do that as often as possible, sometimes daily. Because, you know, when you have kids and it's loud and there's always somebody in the way, typically, if you're in the shower, your kids are not going to want to come in and have a conversation with you. Our kids usually leave us alone in the shower. Not always, but usually. <laughs> Sometimes it's frustrating. You're like, go away, we're in the shower. We're trying to talk here. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, I think it does a couple of things. One, you're completely vulnerable in the shower. Like physically completely vulnerable in the shower. Talking in the shower really, I think, is a, is a great way to connect as a partnership and really make yourself vulnerable and see the vulnerabilities of your, of your spouse. So I think, that's, I think it's a great place to talk. Especially if you have kids, it's a great place to talk. Yeah? Cool. Number 17. This is it. This is the last one. If you've listened all the way to the end, we uh, I should send you a prize, but I don't have any. <laughs> I don't have any prizes. You never know when your greatest trials will become your greatest triumphs until you've made it all the way through. And I kind of talked about this earlier. I didn't, I, five years ago, if you'd have said, hey, Zach, you're going to talk about pornography for a living and you're going to help people stop using pornography and that's going to be your job and you're going to do extraordinarily well at that and you're going to be very successful and all of these people are going to want to have you on their podcasts and they're going to want to get your opinion on what they should do for their kids or what they should do for their spouses or what they should do for... You know, all of these people, I've gotten, I think, three podcast offers in the last week. And all of that to say, this struggle, this trial, this difficulty of dealing with pornography and figuring it out and quitting pornography has been, I can tell you it was my greatest trial. I can tell you that there were nights when I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for this to be taken from me. There was a lot of time that I thought, You know, if I could just overcome this one thing, I will be so much better. I will be the man that I'm supposed to be. And what I didn't know at the time was that that was the crucible. That was the moments that I was being forged into a better version of me so I could have compassion for other people in a way that I didn't have before. Never in a million years did I think that us going through pornography in our marriage would bring us closer together and that it would provide this opportunity for what we're doing now to help other people really just live an amazing life. I mean, if you were to talk to my best friend, she would tell you how far we have come and how amazed she is at the progress that we've made. And really, you know, she was there from the the moment I found out to 
today, and she just is blown away by... How amazing we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is fun to talk to her, because she has said a number of things, a number of wonderful things that I think convey a, a message of, like, you guys are really succeeding here. It yeah. feels like it. Yeah, and and it's funny because even sometimes, you know, we don't even think, oh, yeah, we've come so far, right? But hearing someone else who saw the whole process say how far we've come, it's, I don't know. It, it gives a perspective that, yeah. you, that you don't have. And I think that's important to recognize is that you because you don't know when your greatest trials are going to become your greatest triumphs, you need to step back a little bit and take some time to get a perspective on what's going on and see what it is that you have accomplished. I think it's really a good idea to look back in the last you know months and days and weeks of your lives and see what you've done that's great and, and be conscious of that because every one of us does great things and so many of us spend so much time looking for what we've done wrong, especially pornography users. I, I find so many of them are stuck in this space of I am failing and I'm always failing and I'm never getting it right. And if you look back in time and you look at what you've done and what you've accomplished and who you've become and how far you've come from where you were, I think you'll start to see the wins. And people who see the wins, they keep winning. That's, I think, one of the coolest things about life is that the more you see what you've done that's great and you recognize that, the more you can continue to create and accomplish more greatness. And that's been really nice to both see, you know, internally and somewhat externally with some other people giving us some feedback in, in terms of, you know, how far we have come in our lives. Amen. Amen. It's fun to watch Darcy as we're doing the podcast because she does, like, things with her hands and nods her head. and it's, <laughs> it's like, you can't see it, but I can. And I know what she's saying, but you don't. It's fun. She's, she's getting the hang of this podcast thing. She does a pretty good job these days, don't you? Yes. Yes, you do. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. With that said, if you're looking to come to one of my free webinars, there's a free webinar on August 19th at 7 o'clock Central. So that's 6 o'clock Mountain, and that's 5 o'clock in the Pacific time zone. We're going to talk about how to overcome pornography. I know that sounds really generic, but I'm going to give you four concrete steps that you can use to stop using pornography in your life. The moment you get off that that webinar and you know come with your questions feel free to i'm going to put a link in the show notes so you can sign up there or you can go to my web page you can go to zackspafford.com there is a free call button you just click on that and you can register for the webinar awesome thank you guys so much have a great week and we will talk to you next week bye Hey, thanks for listening to the Self Mastery Podcast. Every day I get requests from people who are looking to change something in their life. If that is you, if you need help overcoming your addictive behavior like pornography use, sign up for a free mini session at zackspafford.com slash workwithme. That's zackspafford.com slash workwithme. I'll put a link in the show notes for you to follow. Also, it would mean the world to me if you were to leave a review for us wherever you get your podcast. It'll go a long way to helping others find us. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to Thrive Beyond Pornography. If you're seeking guidance and support to overcome pornography for good and begin creating a thriving life beyond it, check out my free webinar, How to Overcome Pornography with Skills That Actually Work. 
you'll learn practical, proven skills guided by an expert coach who has personally overcome pornography. Whether you're getting started for just yourself or along with your spouse, Darcy and I can teach you the tools that will help you put your life on the right path for you. Be sure to check out the show notes for a direct link. And if you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, it would mean the world to us. Your reviews play a significant role in helping others discover the show so they can join us on this transformative journey. Thank you for being part of the Thrive Beyond Pornography community. Until our next episode, stay strong, stay focused, and keep thriving.